Welcome to the Team Steel podcast with your host Sam Budd and Adam Wilson, also known as Kev. So today we're here with Mike Taylor, head coach, Dan the Man Cocking, and Jack Morton. Whatever Mike says about us, don't listen to him. All right, so we're going off with the first question. Um, what is the highlight of your career so far? Can I ask a question? What's a podcast? Uh, so a podcast is where we talk about stuff. Okay. Yeah. And when we're talking about a podcast, what are you trying to deliver on this podcast? We're just trying to get about... We just want a load of anecdotal, like, what's happened, why, why are you here now, what would you would have been if you weren't here. What really excites you about coaching? You know, why, why you decided to do this as, as your, your career, really? Um, right, so I'll take you back quite a while. Uh, came out of swimming. Is that because you're quite old now? Shut up. Uh, came out of swimming and originally um, stopped totally two, three years out of sport and I got a message from um, old coach we have, Russ, just basically saying, we're really short on coaching staff, can you come down and coach? And my response was, yep, I'll turn up at poolside and if you ever ask Russ about this story, his words were, after sending that message out, one person I didn't want to turn up was you. <laughs> that, that is not a lie. And that I that. absolutely believe. He, he, he 100% turned around and said, uh, one person I didn't really want to turn up were you. He said, but I'm really short on staff, so can you coach? Did my first week of coaching, uh, coached with Russ on his group, and I hated it. That's because you had Dan swimming in the squad at the time. I wouldn't oh, be surprised. Was true. I had swam with that before, and... I had to go in there and coach him on the exact same event that I'd done, okay, in the same environment. And so he did it better. So it was just, it was just horrible. It was like so watching yourself. Who, who was the best back in there? Dan by a mile. <laughs> yeah, but who would win now? Um, Definitely not Dan. All he does is CrossFit now. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> I did some practice this morning, but Jack and Mike bailed on me. He told me, okay, that he's now going down the route of that he wants to be Arnold Schwarzenegger. <laughs> ah, to be fair, he looks like him. He's not with, he, not with these chicken wing arms. You need to do some proper lifting, not CrossFit then. Nah, no, need to do that. It's all right. So yeah, so I was coaching down at time, um, and a few others that I'd swam with before hated it. So after a week, I didn't turn up, um, and Russ texted me saying, "Where are you?" Um, so I went back down to the pool. I explained to him I didn't really like it, don't really want to coach, and he said, "Okay, let's put you on one of younger groups." So. I ended up going on to JO1, uh, coached with Simon at the time, um, and at that point we got a new coach coming in for um, our age group squad, and he basically came in, took the whole group, which I would coach at that time for about eight weeks, um, and I was left with six swimmers, and one of them is sat on this podcast. That's me, guys. So, um, that's Sam for anyone that doesn't recognise his voice. <laughs> that's the first like initial point, and to be fair, from that um, uh, next point of taking the juniors, I absolutely loved it. They're a total different kettle of fish to senior swimming. Um, they're like sponges, and Kev, you'll know this now from coaching. You don't get the same feeling from swimming as you do coaching, like swimming. You can go through the ups and downs of not feeling great, training's hard, then weekend you'd race and you get a euphoria of feeling good and you're PB'd and you challenge yourself left, right and centre. But as a coach, you get that every day. And 
you see progression in kids consistently. Um, and to be fair, that's probably the one thing that uh, at that time got me hooked. Um, was seeing young children like yourself, Sam, at that age, not being able to swim breaststroke at all, to being able to do in 25 breaststroke um, with good skills, knowing how to do it and capabilities of going further and that development for pretty much anybody who was at that nine, ten year old age in that J1 group at that time were massive and it just impacted me uh, in a way that I never really thought I'd be sat there going, I love swimming again. I always thought it would be, I'd never love it more than I did as a swimmer. Uh, but I would say I enjoy swimming more now as a coach than I did uh, when I was performing as an athlete. So if you weren't a coach then, obviously if you'd never gone down that pathway, what do you think you'd be doing right now? Uh, probably crime. <laughs> Brilliant. <laughs> I'm only joking. Didn't you apply to be a um, So originally I um, was going to work with gamma radiation on oil rigs. Um, and So you turned to the hook. But at that point, correct Sam. <laughs> you'd probably retired by now. Yeah, probably could have because it were, it were a lot of money at that time but anybody who knows industry at that point um, it was 2008 so we'd just gone through a recession crisis were massive um, everywhere in the world so it literally just fell on its um, so I ended up coming into coaching and I'm really really glad I did good good stuff uh, so we'll move on to Dan um, so Dan the man uh, tell us a bit about yourself a bit about myself. My name's Dan and I love CrossFit. <laughs> Do you want to get more jokes in, Sam? Or? Nah, not yet. No? Okay, we'll leave it. Um, uh, so I started swimming a long time ago in Sheffield in 2002. So I swam for 10 years, 2002 to 2012. Um, and then after the Olympic trials in 2012, I went, Do I want to swim for another four years? There was some faster younger kids coming through I thought I need to get out of the way of these guys um, so just on a random Thursday morning I got out of the session I said to, to Russ who coached for 10 years I went Russ I don't want to do this anymore and he went oh, well, have you thought about what you're going to do next I went no not at all and he sat there he kind of scratched his chin leant back on his chair and went have you ever thought about coaching I went uh, no he went all right, I'll see you tonight at four o'clock. Brilliant. <laughs> so literally, I mean, that was, I, I, co I trained on, the, I trained on a, a Thursday morning in June and on the Thursday night I was onto poolside. At the time I was working a couple of other jobs, um, various different jobs to keep some money in because we, we had to work to support the swimming. So I initially came in and kind of the first six months just volunteered, coached, helped Russ when I wasn't at work, helped Mike on JR1 when I wasn't at work, helped... Mark Lappin mm -hmm. was still here at the time coaching age group national squad um, and then after about three months I think I got my first paid hours which were two hours a week on masters. <laughs> yep. Loved it though. Loved it. A great Every, squad to coach. Who, 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 who did you have in the squad at the time? What, in Masters? Yeah, that had um, Naomi. 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 Naomi.
Kev, Tom Oldfield, Sarah Jarman. There's still quite a lot of members, although. Yeah. Jamie McHale back then. Jamie McHale joined a little bit later. So this was so I kind of started um, 2013, no, 2014 coaching when the council pulled out supporting the swimming club. So it became a. I, th I think at that time Jamie McHale were coaching. Yeah, I think that's why. I that was a little. That. that was a little bit later. So Jamie helped me on Jo One when his daughter Ella was in the yes, squad. Yes, correct. Uh, he helped on Jo Two. So he actually, I mean, I'm saying coaching maths was a big deal. I had six swimmers because fees had doubled and everybody left. Um, and then just over a period of time, I, I continued to assist on the senior squad. And then after about six months, Mike went. Well, Mark was going to leave, so Mike was then going to take Mark's job. Um, Mike was approached me if I wanted to lead on Jo One. Um, so. How, how easy does our job sound? Both of us have just sat there and said, we had six swimmers in our group. <laughs> <laughs> Mine was masters though. That was, my, that was my first group. I just want to clarify, six swimmers <laughs> doesn't sound a lot, but when you've got the likes of me as a child. <laughs> it was like having 16 there by yourself. Yeah. Yeah. Literally. But, High um, maintenance, Sam. So obviously after that, you, you're getting your, your job on, on jail one um, Talk us through like your progression from jo one to where you are now and, and how that sort of shaped you as a coach and shaped you as a person. So jo one will have started, what, about 2014. Um, so at the time, they was just, I coached about 10 hours a week. I worked two other jobs, worked for the council, worked at Decathlon and, and gradually just picked up. People said, do you want to do more coaching? I said, yes, I'll cover that. I'll assist on that. Just started to accrue more experience, more knowledge. Um, I tried to spend as much time around the more senior coaches, Mike, Russ, um, and then start to meet other coaches on poolside around the country and just start to ask and learn and um, continue to grow and develop as a coach myself. And I kind of, the reason I kind of got stuck into it was, I mean, I don't really want to work a nine till five. Um, I was working at Decathlon at the time. I worked a bit for the council and none of those really excited me. It was just, it was a job. Um, I looked forward to coming and volunteering at the club um, and helping people watch people grow and get better. And whether they were swimming at an international level at the time of what well, we were in the seas, we got a couple of Olympians in the pool at the time, or I was taking masters and they were having the best hour of their day. Um, I enjoyed hopefully helping people get better, um, not only swimmers, but as people as well. Um, so a couple of years on JO1, um, Mike moved on to Bath for a, a short period of time. I moved on to national squads. We don't talk about that. We don't talk about Bath, okay? We won't, don't ask I'm about joking, Bath. I'm joking, I'm joking. Um, and then obviously the, the role, I've been in a similar role now for the last five, six years. Um, and it's constantly evolving, it's constantly changing. But I think at the minute, um, the club's in a really, really good place, um, both in the water and out of the water. So obviously, like, we fast forward a bit to 2019, and you know, you, you, got, you got Coach of the Month award for any hours? <laughs> Coach of the Month award? Is Coach that like of employee of the month? I don't know. What, what, yeah, what? so, so a bit of, Sam asked me about my swimming recognition um, prior to this, and I went, nope, not got one. He went, oh, he went, well, what have you won? I was like, not very much. So 2019, I won <laughs> the North East Region Coach of the Year. Um, However, I do think I was the only nominee. <laughs> well, you still won, Dad. That's, that's a champ in my eyes. Um, that's funny. Yeah, so we'll move on to Jack. So, Jack, would you like to introduce yourself? Yeah. I am, I am Jack Moulton. And that's me done. 
Um, yeah, so I've, I'm probably a bit different to these two boys. I didn't swim very fast or at a very good club. Um, never made nationals. I came to Sheffield in, what, 2017 for university. Um, and I got a job at a different swimming club in Sheffield called Sheffield City. Um, came on poolside, seen Dan, asked Dan about coaching, and he looked at me and said no. There's a story behind <laughs> no, that. No, he, he looked at me and said no. He currently got no eyebrows. He'd got three lines shaved in the top of his head. I thought, I wish they grow up a bit. The worst bit was, this was when Dan was literally just on his own. <laughs> no Mike, no Russ. Dan was doing four squads. Nah, I'm not having that. Um, but six months later, I came to my senses and thought, this guy might be all right. He stuck around, he keeps asking. That's a lie. You were struggling. <laughs> <laughs> we walk, I remember we walked. And he had a full lifeguard. And uh, we walked all the way to Starbucks for me to go. I don't like coffee. And Dan went, we could have just done this at Pods Forge. And then he loved me from that point on. Mainly, mainly because I took hours off him. I'd prefer it if he'd like coffee. No. Um, yeah, and then, so I just, from September 2018, I assisted Dan one day a week until April 2019. And then I did eight sessions a week on JO1, assisting Dan, and took two lead sessions on that group. And then through COVID, I was like, just here, there, and everywhere, trying to make money, <clears throat> doing what I could for the club. And then Mark and Dan presented me with a contract September 2020, was it? Lucky 2021. <laughs> I think I am probably the luckiest one to come in and get given a contract straight away. Um, but they know I'm appreciative of that, so. 11 years I had to wait for a contract. He gets one in 18 months. And I didn't even have to interview for it as well. I was five years and I think I cried at some point because I couldn't get a car on uh, finance. Mm. Yeah, that actually did happen. You can hear that bit out, Sam. Nah, that's, that bit's staying in. Did you, I hope everyone heard that. I won't repeat it just, just for that. But. And the car that's not the car I drive now, which is my... Yeah. He got a better car on finance. <laughs> Do you know what's interesting about just listening to that there is the different journeys that coaches take, but also um, when you start looking at the personalities of each coach, they're very, very different. This job can be for anybody, um, as long as that you're willing to put in the time, uh, effort, and really get used to early mornings. The hours. Because um, it's just, it's relentless. I think, times. I think one of the main things about it is like you sit here and you watch these three talk and you can clearly see like there is like this real big like um, sense of like teamwork and cooperation like obviously they've all come from different backgrounds I mean Mike and Dan's a little bit more similar but Jack's from like this awful place what, what's it called? Birmingham Birmingham, Birmingham. Oh. Oh, Birmingham. But, um, from the boom <laughs> all jokes aside though like you can, you can quite clearly see that there's like a lot of teamwork and they all like pitch in for each other um, and you see it on poolside, like, I don't know, when Mike's running a session and it's just himself on it, like, you'll always have either Dan or Jack, like, offering to stay around, and it's just, that sort of level of teamwork's, like, kind of what drives, I think, the club. Um, I mean, you guys can obviously vouch for it yourselves, but I've, I've seen it from, from the inside perspective, being at Sheffield my whole life, and then, obviously, I went over to America, and it's a little bit different because you don't have that sort of love for the club as much. You went um, to America, Sam? I've actually got a tattoo on my bicep saying I went to America, but you know, it is what it is. Everybody, just so, I mean, next time that you all see Sam and he's walking around with a tattoo from an American college, can we all ask a question why he's not got Team Steel? Yeah, that's going on my right bicep, guys, don't worry. Oh, uh, we'll wait and see. 
But I think, I think, like within that, when you when you're talking about like the team being together, I think what works so well, <coughs> and um, probably this is one of the biggest things that any company would look for, is where you would never want the same person, okay, in the same job, working together all the time because you're going to get the same result. And I would say within those three and now, there's probably one of us that works emotionally. There's one of us that works analytically, and there's one of us who just works off. And pardon my French, but that works really well. That one person comes up with ideas, one overlooks it and says it'll work this way really well, and other person puts it into action, and that's gone round really well over the last eighteen months. That we put goals together as a company, and we said this is what we want to do in five years, and it ended up turning around that we did this in two. I think John's part of that as well, where he's, he's very much a directed person and says, look, what you need to do is great and carry on doing it, but just get on with it. And I think that's the reason now why the team works so well and it's so fluid. Um, and I can only say from my point of view is that that's thanks to both these two that sit here today, but also that we've got a great club to be part of. Yeah, and not to discredit anyone sat here now, but obviously like we have a massive group of volunteers as well. Mm-hmm. And like they are a huge part of the club. Um so all jokes aside for this part, like just from me to everyone, I appreciate all the volunteers because you know the club couldn't run without it. Um But yeah, so Did that still you thunder that on that? It has, yeah. <laughs> I, literally I just wrote down on a piece of paper that I want to put an appreciation out when you start talking about coaches and where they've come from and how they de- they developed you've also got to look at that everybody who's underneath us in terms of swimmers parents volunteers okay that they're just as ambitious as that program is and what i mean by this is so and this is where i really appreciate parents okay i walked in this morning and i pulled up in car park outside um this were at 545 and one of our parents was in their car, laid down in driver's seat I see them. with a blanket over him, yeah. asleep in the car. And this is where I say that for us as coaches to impact on everybody that much that you're willing to bring your kid in at that time, fall asleep, take them home, feed them, and then go to work. I don't think and then, and then come do, back and do, do it again the yeah, and day. do the same again day in day out all I think I can say for us as a, as a club is we're doing the right thing and that's everybody involved that's not just parents that's swimmers because they've got to get in there and do it but also we've got an amazing set of coaches that are, are willing to do that and well it's it, not just the willingness though is it it's, it's like the it's passion behind it the inspiration because like Parents wouldn't want to do that for their children if, if their children weren't inspired. And I think that's obviously a testament to the coaches that we have here. Um, so, again... And, and that's not just us three sat here. We couldn't do this without um, the, the guys taking the groups below. Kev! <laughs> which yes. is, they are just as important because they set the foundation, they set the model of the programme, and they install values and beliefs of what everybody wants within this club and I think that's really really important and for a lot of them they're the first part of call like they might have an email conversation with us do it come to a meeting but 
They're off Millers, Lawrence, Charlotte's. They're the first. They're the first impression that parents of swimmers get of the swimming club. Um, because when they come in at seven, eight, nine, ten, ten years old, they're going to spend two, three, four years. They they might be in the club four years before they make it to to Jack Squad. Um, but yeah, I, I agree with what you both said. Like the coaches have got a phenomenal. Um, when we talk about being team seal, it's not just us. It's not just us that are sat here. It's the hundreds of people that have impacted has allowed us to be here over the not just now, but over the last. Five, ten, fifteen years. Right, so um, that includes, we'll you. Move that includes on. you, Kev. You are now a coach. Right, thank you very much. Appreciate <laughs> it. <laughs> Obviously, Jack, um, you're yes, JL1, um, had Hallam, and now you're P2 as well. Yep. So, could you just talk us through like a typical session, like what it would look like? You can pick which squad you want. Um, Put him on the spot. Then. Yeah, no, I think <clears throat> I'll talk you for a typical day. Um, because I think it all rolls into one. Are you sure we've got enough time? Because Sam turned up late. And Sam was late. <laughs> you can't edit that out. Um, I think with the juniors, so I'd take JL1. With Only 11 to 14 though. Um, and it, all, we always start off with a, a massive skill basis. Um, most of it is aerobic. Some of the old ones will dip into kind of a threshold state. Um, and then... It'll just be trying to be able to hold those skills and transfer that into, into the main set. And why I link it with P2 is because for a lot of the people in that group, they're in that same bracket. They've come from a smaller club. They, they don't understand um, kind of the mechanics of how stuff works, why they're dropping off at the end of swimming, at the end of a race. Well, it's to do with in training, your skills are dropping off at the end of a main set. Um, and they kind of link really, really well. Obviously, there's some, there's some swimmers in there like Sam and Kev that are a bit more advanced and get it a bit more. But there are some kids, uh, some kids, some adults that come in at 18, but you have to treat them like 12-year-olds in terms of how you say what you say and what you are actually saying to them. Um, and then it just so happens that they're like, they go 5,400 fly, but you talk to them like a 12-year-old that their turn was too slow or something. <coughs> never changes, Jack. And it never changes. But yeah, um, so yeah. in, in terms of that focus aspect, because um, obviously like this is something that I've been implementing as I've gone on throughout my career, uh, and I'm still not perfect at it, but it's, it turns into like the little one percenters. And I mean, there's a saying that I don't really like, but it's, it's work smart and not harder. And I'd like, for me, it's more just work smart. Like just work as hard as you're working, but work smart. How would you say a good way to implement that is? So for example, like for me, I would think, oh, my times aren't quite there this session. I'm going to focus on maybe get my feet on the wall a bit quicker. So that's a little one percent there where you know I, I can take time off. Like, what sort of focus would you would you say for a swimmer to start thinking on getting those little one percenters better instead of just like grinding themselves to a pump? I say you've got to do the basics right. You've got to push off right, streamline right, break out right, and then you can start working hard. It's almost like you want to do a 200-mile car journey, but you put 100 miles worth of petrol in. You're not going to finish it off because you've not started properly. I like that. That is a great analogy. <laughs> I came up with that on the spot as well, guys. <laughs> do, you know, do you know what's like interesting about this is that as a... People look at swimming and they go, oh, it's got to be X, Y, Z. You've got to have a Bugatti Veyron and a Ford and a... And, 
They try and overcomplicate everything that's actually inside swimming. But the more that you put in and the harder you make things, you're making the sport difficult. Swimming is simple. When you say harder, you mean the more complicated. You yeah, make yeah. So in, I don't mean as in train harder. I mean as in you're trying to make things hard by doing more of it or expecting it to be this, that and the other. Overcomplicating. Yeah, it's, it's just simple. Stop thinking about sport as you've got to do everything to be good at it at that time. You've got to be good at everything over a long period of time but you've got to just be great at it eventually. And what I don't get about it is, is that you sit here and you get too many people going, oh, you've got to be good at aerobic, you've got to be good at speed, you've got to be good at thresholds, you've got to be good at VO2 max, you've got to be good at anaerobic capacity. And it's just like, well, when you break it down into simple context, okay, swim well for a long period of time and be efficient. When a coach asks you to go fast, go fast, okay? And when they give you an indication to say, do a technical point, they're not saying it to say, you're not very good, they're saying it to make you better. So why not just put that into your training style every day, rather than sitting there going, I must do this, 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 and I can keep going on about it, whatever you want it to be, but just be efficient, do it for a long period. When a coach says, go fast, go fast, okay? I just I want to say, like, so if I could go fast every session, I would. Yeah, but what, the, 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 what I'm trying to explain to you there is, there's going to be times where a coach says, Kev might come over to one of the kids and go, all we want from you today is to go nice and slow, good technically, for a long period of time. He might turn around and go, I want five 1,000s, okay, swimming free at good technique, but it's really low level, okay? And all he's going to do for an hour is give out pointers. Your turns aren't good enough. Make sure you're rotating faster. Drive your feet to the wall. I mean, I, I get what you're saying. There's, there's certain times, well, obviously, when you say you want them fast, where there is no reason they shouldn't be going fast. If they've done all the basics right, which is, like you said, swim well, eat well, sleep well, and you put out a session there where they should be swimming fast. So, for me, the question is, um, well, not question, but it's a scenario. In that situation, you've got someone, you've given them a set where they can swim. They should be swimming as fast as you want them to swim because that's what the set is and you've given them... Not as fast as I want them to swim. No. What they're capable to do. Yeah, yeah. So, so you want them to swim fast, basically, let's say. Mm -hmm. You've given them the perfect week for it. They're all rested as long as they've been doing the basics, but they're still swimming slow. How would you approach that? You're asking an open-ended question that I can never answer. Fair right? But I'll give you, a, I'll give you an, a, a shortened version of what I'd do. I would stop set and I'd give them something else and start again. Fair enough. Because at the end of the day, is if somebody's not swimming fast, don't let them swim slow because it's going to be no benefit whatsoever. And this is what I'm saying. It's like, it's just try, okay, and follow indication from a coach's point of view because they're trying to get something out of that set, okay? So, when it's aerobic and somebody says to you, just swim easy and have good skills and work on your turn and feet past flags, just do that. Don't keep trying to go fast that day, okay? When they turn around to you and say, right, today, guys, we've got a hard set, your mind's got to be 
All I can give in this set is be fast. So just be fast. Okay, and then when they turn around and say, it's technique today, let's be great at technique. So whatever's asked from that session at that day, okay, no one's going to make you go hard five days a week, Sam. One, you can't do it. <laughs> Two, your shoulder might fall off. <laughs> yeah. Our and three, our expectation isn't that, okay, and to develop you as an athlete, okay, the, the coach will design the set around time base, okay, effort base, and technical base to make sure you are your best. Just do it all in that format, and I can promise you, you'll improve. Good stuff, good stuff. I, I think you had something you were gonna... I was, I was gonna say, it's, when you talk about changing if things if aren't how you want to be, it depends what, what you want, what the focus on that session is, or that specific block of work. Because if it's a race pace session, they're gonna race pace, it's null and void. Um, so it's going, okay, right, if we can't get that right now, what can we work on? What can we do better? Or do we look at something within the race, the race pace work, stroke rates, um, times around the walls, which is still beneficial. But like Mike said, like, if there's no point slogging up and down for the sake of slogging up and down, especially when you get to your guys' level, the, the seniors in particular, it's, it's got to be specific. It's got to be specific. You're fine-tuning, you're, you're trying to be the best in the country. I, there's no room really to, to go, oh, well, we'll just keep going with that because they look like they're working hard. Yeah, I mean, you mentioned there, obviously, that sort of transfer from age group to senior swimmer. What would you say, like, the key factors are in that transfer? Because obviously uh, you've got... Good aerobic capacity, good kicking ability, and a, a high skill effort. And when I mean, well, high skill application. So, so more like uh, a, that focus, like applying it. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Look how simple that were. Good over capacity, good kicking ability, and real good. Maybe skill acquisition is probably the, the right terminology, so that they can execute skills well. And when I say skills, I mean starts, turns, breakouts, underwaters, as well as stroke techniques as well. And then on top of that is where you're going one step further. Is that's them as an athlete in terms of physical attribute, what they can do. But then there's also like a side where psychologically, you've got to turn up, okay? And I have this conversation with senior guys now about it's 100% you, okay? And our job as coaches is to open a tool bag, to okay? Facilitate. To facilitate and say, you're building your house, what tools can I give you? Your design, your builder, you're gonna make this house as pretty as you want it to be or as ugly as you want it to be, or whatever you want it to look like, okay? But when it comes to sport, we'll write a session around what it needs to be for you on that day, but it's 100% you. And you've got to give us that, okay? Or we're working at 50% capacity, just as much as you are. Because if you turn up three times a week, okay, and you don't do the amount of sessions that's expected of six or seven, You've missed a block of work that's in there that's needed. So it's not transitioning right. So what we're now saying is, is that keep it simple, okay? Be coachable, be 100% you, and come with a mindset of, I'm going to be ambitious, I'm going to work hard, okay? I'm going to stay humble when I start winning, okay? And I'm always going to put my team first. Because if you do these things... 
your natural progression will be success. And that will come if you just do the basics right, okay, and you follow what's in front of you and you are coachable. And I can promise you, anybody that sits in that format will become a winner in whatever way they need to be or what they want to be. Sounds easy. I think um, just on that point for Mike is, like he's just said, like the four things about the like those four things that he spoke about. There are club values, but I always get this thing with, with a lot of people want to go and race, great, but in training they're not even good. You know, basics like we just said. Just do your basics great in training, they will transfer to a race. If you do your basics good in training, you will only race good on those basics. And it's that simple. And highly likely, in that point there, if you're only being good in training, yeah. okay, you're actually deloading yourself. So at some point, when you get through that set and you're tired, mm. you're, go you're not going to be as good. And you won't be able to hold your skills. Under fatigue, you revert to what course, your yeah. worst habits are. And, and, that, yeah. and, and pressure creates that as well. Yeah, it's fatigue, not, you're not just pressure. working with, I might not be ready for this race, because we're not always going to be. Pressure creates an environment that can change people massively. And the will to win and want to be the best and to move forward, they're all part and encompassing with each other. And we talk about this day, and everybody else will get this point, okay? You can have somebody who's talented and be great at a young age, okay? And they get to a certain point and we don't see them anymore. Now, I'm going to ask you all a question, and I want you to answer, okay, individually. What do you think that they're going to be missing if they were great at 10, 11, 12, 13, and all of a sudden they drop off at bandwagon. What do you think they're going to miss in me, Sam? I think they haven't learned how to lose. Okay. Yeah, they've been humbled. Okay. Basics. Yeah. Um, Wait, I want to change my answer to basics. Here we go. <laughs> Here's the analytical one. Yeah, I won't make it too analytical. Um, yeah, uh, ability, and but the capacity to do more. Willingness to change. I'd say hard work. A hundred percent. They've got through because they could be physically they, be bigger. Yeah. They but could. They could have grown. The one thing that Sir Alex Ferguson said about Ronaldo, Ronaldo was he wasn't the most talented in the world, okay, but the willingness to work harder than everybody else made him better. And even though we can all look at Messi and say. He's an amazing footballer. He's the best that's ever technically been there. And he's rose at top. He's got to have worked hard. But everybody knows that Ronaldo got to that stature as well by working his absolute nuts off. And I think that's something where we're trying to breed that into our athletes now, day in, day out. And I would ask the same of parents and grandparents and people that are on poolside and coaches to always be saying, work on basics, do it all right, but let's work hard as well, because there's no shame in it. There's no shortcut. Until there's a shortcut to success, we will continue to work hard. Love it, Dan. Love it. So, obviously, Mike mentioned earlier um, about hard work and everything, but I feel like a big, for me, a key thing is the coach-athlete relationship. So, Jack, how do you feel about like 
a good coach-athlete relationship? That's an interesting one. I actually did my dissertation on a coach-athlete relationship, Adam. Um, and I think it's good. Like I actually had a conversation with my assistant last night, um, Mon, um, Amelia Monaghan, about getting to know your swimmers from an outside of the pool perspective to be able to help them inside the pool. And um, there's, in my junior group, there's, there's a, I've had a couple of them before where it's like, girls at a younger age, I think you can be a lot firmer with. I think they can take criticism in terms of their swimming a lot better, whereas boys, you need to help them, guide them through. But sometimes you just get one that's just the complete opposite. You have to stand there, you have to bellow at them, or you have to, you know, you have to make them feel like they're, they're, your, they're your only priority for 100% of the day. And they're not, you've got 30 kids. Um, so I think it's, it's important to have, but it takes a long, long time, especially with senior athletes, to get it right. I'm still doing it now. Um, I don't know, Kev, how do you think it goes as one of my athletes? I think, yeah, I think a key thing with swimming fast is having a good relationship with your coach. So obviously I think a key thing is like, if you've been told to do nine sessions and you don't do nine sessions, that's already impacting the coach swimmer relationship because you're not working together on it. And communication is obviously a big one. Like Jack drills into us all about communication. So like, what is, why do you think communication is so important? I think it's respectful. I think, like we always say, we want people to go and win in life, whether that's obviously in the pool or out the pool. But if you've not got good communication, you're not even going to get an interview. Um, I think it's about, <coughs> sorry, bit of a <coughs> technical difficulty <laughs> with my throat. <coughs> but I think it's about what makes you tick and getting to know your swimmer and getting to know your coach. Like, so for me, obviously, I've, I've been coached by Mike for about 10, 15, 10 years. Until you started swimming, Sam. I, I don't know if anyone heard that, but Dan said I, I solely am the reason why Mike has grey hairs now. You look like you've dyed your hair. It's just ginger. <laughs> um, but yeah, for me, it's about what makes you tick. And obviously, I've had this relationship with Mike. And when I was younger, wow. We used to get in shouting matches on poolside. <laughs> and I'll tell you now, I lost every single one of them. But um, I Is think... because you're wrong going Mike would shout louder? I don't know. Mainly because... You were wrong. Well, yeah, definitely I was wrong. <laughs> Um, you have to be careful with that answer. Yeah, no, I, I was completely wrong. I was never right once. <laughs> Listen um, to your coach. But I think it's about, like, through that, obviously, like, we learn, one, respect for each other. Uh, two, there's certain ways to do things. Like, if we have a disagreement, it's not right then and there. It's you do what you've been told to do, and you speak about it after in a respectful manner. Um, and I think it's about growing up and maturing as an athlete. I think, for me, I was honestly probably one of the most stubborn kids you'll ever coach. And I think if you speak to any of these three coaches here, they'll agree with that. Um, but like, I came out the other side and like, I learned to listen to my coaches. And like, I think with all of the coaches on poolside now, any of them, like, I would have one of the best relationships with, with those coaches out of most of the athletes. Because I understand that you've got to put the time in and you've got to put the effort in with your coach in order to get the best out of yourself. Um, because I think if one, you're not communicating how you feel, you're never gonna understand the coach is never gonna understand what they need to put in front of you because like Mike said earlier you've got to do the basics right and if the coach doesn't know what it is that you're putting down then they can't give you the set to get the best out of your ability so for me it's just about what makes us from a tick like having arguments with a coach is is a is a growing point it's not a bad thing 
obviously you're only going to fall out with your coach because they care. I'll be bothered when the coach isn't talking to me or isn't having a go at me because at that point it's like the relationship's irreparable. But essentially I've, I've gone a bit of a rant now or a bit of a, a bit of a waffle, but I think it's important to understand your coach as much as it's important for your coach to understand you. Just think about what you said there. Okay, so Jack spoke about communication and through your sarcasm of losing arguments um, and you having an opinion and putting that across, that's you as a swimmer. But in, within that group, I got you as a yeller and trying to get your point across and you have to deal with that. But you also have athletes that are the total opposite and they never ever squeak at all and I think it's the message that we're trying to send here is is that they're the ones that need to know and feel like they're not forgotten because they're just as important and my advice for anybody that is introverted and are quiet you don't have to do your talking by shouting and being loud and getting in a coach's face. What you've got to do is, is communicate on your own level and pull that coach to a side and say, this is where I'm at, I'm struggling with this, or I need some help on this, am I doing a good job? And a wise man once told me, a squeaker wheel always gets an attention. And you've always got to start talking and finding out how to be better, how to move forward, and what is it going to take for you and that coach to make you as good as possible? Because it's a sport that you can go missing in because you are facing the water, lack of communication there straight away, and you're facing that water for a long period of time sometimes. And I think it's really important for everybody to understand that actually, if you're not communicating like Jack said, you're probably only going to get 50% work out of that coach. Good stuff, I like it. But just on the topic of facing the water, uh, I remember a certain time when, was it, was it you that had to get in, Jack, and pull Simon out of the water? <laughs> I went away for one day. Yeah, so <laughs> this is a nice little anecdote. Um, <coughs> this is when Mike had, just, Mike had come back and he took, at that time, senior elite to Thailand on camp and took Dan with him. And I'll, I'll, I won't make an excuse, but, but February 2019, I'd been at the club for four months and I was doing one day a week. Um, and I gave him some responsibility and, to look after my And I was, I, was, was I was coaching Dan's group. And um, I just had this, like, but that was me at that time, trying to make stuff fun, trying to make stuff interesting. So we just did some underwaters, but I put some sinking hoops in the water and that's to go through them. And Simon, uh, Clement, who's now in my group as well, must have done about 75 metres and, um, yeah, passed out underwater. <laughs> Actually came up, looked like he was fine, then passed out. Right. So I, um, I bay-watched in, when and got him. And then, and then had a phone call from Russ at six o'clock in the morning. But his mum bought me some, some gin. So. And he's alive, so it's all good. <laughs> Just to clarify. Just to clarify. He is still alive. Silly, no. we love him today. We live and we learn. We do. It's so, good underwater. Anyway, we're, we're cracking on a bit here. So we've got some important questions to ask. Uh, and we have saved the best till last. So 
I'll let the football man take it. Uh, so obviously, yeah, Mike mentioned about Alex Ferguson. He's also mentioned about how he like listens to Crouch's podcast. So <laughs> just just for like just to finish, um, who what, who supports the best club? And there is a right answer here. Right. So if we um, it does start if, with them. If, if you look and at then uh, the Newcastle, I thought that um, I thought that question for us was for us three. I'm just saying there is a right answer for you. Okay. As a host, I don't think you should be involved in that. Because okay, if you are involved, it's you. But if Wait, not, it's it doesn't me. matter anyway, because Wednesday's playing Newcastle this weekend. So we will find out who the best team is. And we all know <laughs> that Wednesday's going to stuff Newcastle. Listen, I'm saying we put some, some wagers on it. Sam, are you a Wednesday fan or not? I'm a neutral fan. I just love chaos. Sam supports the referee. I just love <laughs> chaos. I just want to see someone go down and burn. Boring. That's your answer. All right, we'll, we'll put it on. I'll, I'll say I'm a Wednesday fan then. Good lad. So why don't we put a wager on? If if you go to the game, if Wednesday win, I'm trying to yeah. Actually, I just no, see yeah yeah. No, Wednesday no, Newcastle tickets. So win. If Wednesday win, go on Sam. If Wednesday okay, win. I write a session that Kev has to do. Just if, Kev. If Newcastle win. I write a session and you have to get in and do it. <laughs> <laughs> Are we shaking on that or what? Unfortunately, I can't check on it. Because <laughs> we all know what outcome's going to be. I think you check on it. I think if Newcastle win, um, it'll be a good game. <laughs> <laughs> all, right, all right, why don't Kev do a session for your group? That's Ooh. fine, yeah. You can do that. Can we Yeah. Oh, good stuff. And then we won't even talk about Derby. Jesus. We don't talk about football. Mark Ashley was going to rescue them. We rescued, mate. Haven't you got 14 players on your books? No, we've got full squad now. We're doing all right. We're up to fifth. <laughs> in, in League One. Oh. Derby with. Could in have been worse. We knew about business. So Derby, Derby, Derby with a business up. model that they said, oh, we'll sell us football ground um, to his owner and he'll own it. Sheffield Wednesday followed the same thing and they're both now in League One. Sounds like good. Points yes. deductions, fantastic. <sighs> and Blues have finished no 19th the success. past four seasons. I think, to be fair, out of all three teams that were support, I still think Wednesday's more uh, successful than Birmingham and... We, we won the Carling Cup 2011. Well done. Against Arsenal. Good. 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 Hey, Zeus and Arteta were there then. Alright, that's it. Banging of the tables going on. It's getting a bit heated. And on that note, I've got to go do some pre-pull for my training session because I am amazing at pre-pull. Just to clarify, Sam doesn't accumulate 50 minutes of pre-pull the entire week. He's lying. Yes, yeah, Sam is lying. <laughs> well, thanks for listening, guys.